listening to the White Oak Houston podcast, the official podcast of White Oak Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. White Oak exists to help people come alive to the wonder of the gospel and fully follow Jesus. For more information, please visit us online at whiteoakchurch.net. Open up with me to the word of God this morning in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Just as we worship the Lord through singing this morning, let's worship Him by coming to His Word and seeing what it says to us. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And as you turn there, you may notice this is a very familiar story for you. And if that's the case, I would remind you that even though you've heard this story a thousand times, doesn't mean it's any less true or any less relevant in your life. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. Amen. You may be seated at this time. This is God's word over us this morning. Well, again, I want to give you a very special welcome here to the White Oak Faith family. Uh, If you're returning from last week, welcome back. We're glad that you're here. Uh, It's a festive season, an exciting season for us. If you are new or visiting with us this morning, and I have not had the pleasure of meeting you yet, uh, my name is James Yandel, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at this church. And really, that just means I get to help all of us take our next steps of faith in God. And so this morning, I really hope that my message will help you both find God and follow Him no matter where you're at in your life. Uh, But I'm going to start out with a question. I want to do a show of hands here. Who loves to be interrupted? I figured there'd be at least one. Okay, one person. I I didn't know if someone was going to troll me or not, but if you like being interrupted, you're in the minority. Most of us don't like to be interrupted, right? Let me give you a few examples of times that were interrupted that always happens at like the worst possible times, right? You're working on a project at work. You really want to get finished. Someone comes up and wants to chat with you, right? So they just want to chat. They're just hanging around. You want to get a project done. How about you're making dinner, you're at home with your family, someone knocks on the door, interrupts the flow of your evening, or or the worst one yet, you're watching a movie in the movie theater, someone's phone goes off, or someone is on their phone, right? We don't like these kind of interruptions in our life, and they often happen at the worst possible times. I want to illustrate my point with a classic video clip, and I really love this video clip. You may have seen it before, but it's a great one, and it's of a BBC news reporter who's on live TV at home, and uh, he gets a very unwelcome interruption. So let's watch this video clip. Camel, I'm, I'm 
for the wider region. I think we're going to just brought in. I mean, shifting, shifting, shifting sands in the region. Do you think relations with the north might change? I love the baby in the back. Um, I would be surprised if they do. The They're crying in the back. All right, that's pretty much the clip. Man, that, worst possible timing probably for this guy. But in reality, when you think about it, I don't know if you know this guy, but you probably didn't know him before this video clip. And after that video clip, they had him and his kids. That was his wife and kids, actually. They had him on the show again, and he talked about it. I bet that clip made his career, right? So not all interruptions are bad. In fact, some interruptions can be good, right? You're having a bad day, and a friend texts you, your wife text you, your mom text you that she loves you. That's a great interruption, right? How about you just started on a project at work and your boss comes by and said, hey, you don't have to do it anymore. That's a great interruption. We like those kind of interruptions. Or if you vibe with me, if you're an introvert, you're invited to a party, something comes up at the last minute and you can't go. Not all interruptions are bad, right? Some interruptions can be good. The problem is, is that when we think of interruptions, maybe in our life, or in our schedule, or maybe in our uh, plans for life, we only have two categories. We've got good interruptions, and we have bad interruptions. But this morning, I want to introduce maybe a third category of what I call divine interruptions. Not all, ca- not all interruptions are good, not all are bad. Some are divine. I remember when I was 13 years old, I was listening to a sermon, just like you're listening to a sermon right now, and God interrupted my life, and I was never the same. I became a follower of Jesus, and the whole trajectory of my life changed from that moment on. Sometimes an interruption is so powerful that it reorients your life and all that you're doing. I've uh, entitled my sermon this morning, Interruptions Are Invitations. You like that? I got the eyes. Interruptions Are Invitations. Today we're talking about a divine interruption. And when you think about the Christmas story, the Christmas story is God's divine interruption of the status quo of the world and of our lives. We're going to see in this story, God interrupts everything, but he invites us into something better. What I love about God is that when God interrupts the world or our lives, it's not just interrupting for the sake of interrupting, it's interrupting for the sake of inviting us into something better. In this story that we're about to read again, we find God interrupting and inviting the shepherds into something better, to go see the Messiah. We find God interrupting Mary and Joseph by the shepherds. They interrupt this night. They didn't expect them to show up. But in that, God invites them to all and to wonder. And it says, Mary treasured all these things in her heart, pondering them. And I think today we find ourselves in the middle of our own story, And for many of us, we have interruptions to our story, plans that aren't going according to plan. But in this, I believe that God is inviting us into something more. I think far too often, and I'll speak for myself here, first and foremost, as a planner, my wife can attest, I'm a hyper-vigilant planner of my life. But the more we plan our life and the more that we try to have these goals and preferences, I think the less we know is what God is doing in our life right now. But God's M.O., is to work through the unexpected. God works through invitations. 
He works through things that we don't expect. I want you to think about the Old Testament. Think about all the things that God does in the Old Testament. God always shows up in unexpected places, at unexpected times, and through very unexpected people. And then you go to the Christmas story, and in that story, you have God showing up at a very unexpected time, in a very unexpected place, and using very unexpected people to bring about the gospel hope. And that continues on in the New Testament. You have disciples who never thought that they would be disciples of God in that way, and so God shows up in unexpected places. And so my question this morning is if God works through the unexpected in the Old Testament, and if he works through the unexpected at the Christmas story, and if he works through the unexpected in the New Testament, then why would we not think that God works through the unexpected interruptions of our life today? This is what I believe that God does. Here's the problem. I want you to be happy, joy-filled Christians. That's what I want you to be. The problem is, is show me a Christian who has a vision of their life, or of God, or of a church, or of a spouse, or of a family— that is tailored exactly to their preferences and their expectations, and I'll show you a very unhappy Christian. I like to say, to plan is human, but to interrupt is divine. You know that say, like, life happens when you're, like, in between your plans and stuff like that? I think God happens in between our plans, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. The more that God interrupts our lives, the more we're invited to more faith, more hope, and more trust in what God is doing. I invite you to turn back with me to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8 and 9. We're just going to read these two verses here. Uh, Feel free to read it uh, in the Bible translation that you have, but I'm going to read it out loud again one more time. And it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. All right, let's stop right there. I love this image. And let me tell you why I love this image. Because if you know me, I'm an epic kind of guy, right? I love epic sermons. I love epic sermon titles. I love when God does epic things in the Old Testament. I love it when he does in the New Testament. I love when God does epic things in our lives. I'm just an epic person. But I also love this story uh, because in this story, you find the shepherds doing what? Just doing their thing, right? They're keeping watch over their flock by night. Uh, did they have a good day? I don't know. Were they having a bad day? We don't know. Maybe they're a little drowsy. They're a little tired. It's in the middle of the night. We have no idea. But what we do know is that they didn't invite God to show up. They didn't expect God to show up. They probably expected to finish their shift and then go get some sleep. But then an angel burst out of the sky and the glory of God shows, uh, shows up around them. And I think in this, we find God interrupting them, but also inviting them. So in this story, in this very epic image of this angel bursting out of the sky, before we even get to the message that the angel brings, I think that we can learn something about God. And if you're going to be a happy Christian, a Christian who holds things very loosely in life, who's not too tied to your plans or to your preferences or to your goals in life, I think you've got to know something about God. And I try to do it in a very pithy phrase. Write this down. God is predictably unpredictable. God is predictably unpredictable. He shows up in unexpected places at unexpected times, and he uses unexpected people to bring about his plan for life. And for some of you, you're very theological people, and you say, you know what, but the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. And that's true. 
So why does it seem like God is always interrupting us? Why does it seem like God is always throwing curveballs into our plans? Why does he do that? And I think the reason that he does that is because more often than not, we are prone to draw boxes around God. Right? We're drawing boxes around God and the way that he operates. We're drawing boxes around the ways that we expect God to work in our own life. Have you ever been guilty of this phrase? And I've definitely said this many of times in my mind and out loud. God would never blink. God would never blink. God would never come to earth as a baby to redeem the world. God would never allow me to go through this situation. God would never allow me to go through that situation. God would never uh, send people or allow people to suffer in hell. He would never do that. God would never use me for something good in life. I can never lead in the church or in my family. God would never allow these things to happen. I think one of the biggest problems we have as humans is that we think, man, if God exists, then his choices and his plans and the way that he approaches decision-making in life must be exactly the way that I would. Right? And we're all guilty of that, even in our interpersonal relationships, right? I was reflecting with my wife over our first year of marriage, and I asked her, you know, what have you learned from one year of marriage? And for some of you who've been married a long time, you're like, whatever you learned in your first year, throw that all out because it's not going to work in year five, right? But I asked her, what did you learn in year one? And she says, you know what? It's amazing how someone can go through life and have these deeply held beliefs and preferences and approach to life And then you marry someone else, and they come at it from almost the opposite direction. And I think if we do that with other people, then of course we do that with God. But the difference is, with God, God's perfectly righteous and perfectly wise. And so as we draw boxes and lines around God, we really, it's like we're putting a lion in a paper cage. God can bust out of those things, and he does bust out of those things. God works through the unexpected. So what I want to do this morning is talk a little bit about two ways that I see God being very unpredictable. And you can write this down in your notes. Number one, I believe that God, the real God, surprises us. Think about Jesus. Not baby Jesus in the manger today. Think about Jesus as an adult. Jesus always did the exact opposite of what people expected him to do. He was expected to come as a triumphant king when actually he came as what? A humble baby. He was expected to hang out with religious leaders, and instead he sat down with sinners and tax collectors. When they expected him to get angry, he was, he was kind. When they expected him to show kindness, he said harsh words and harsh things. Jesus was always defying expectations. And I think the more as Christians that we put expectations on God and how he's going to operate in our life, the more we're going to be surprised and confused. But I think in this, we find a God who's always surprising us. Number two, God, the real God, is always challenging us. Love your enemies. Invite undesirable people into your home. Be radically generous. I love this quote by this author. He says, the God of the Bible is a strange God. Not the kind of God we can manage, manipulate, accommodate, or domesticate to our familiar experience. We cannot find this God by looking within ourselves. His word is not the same as our inner voice. He cannot be pared down to our size, measured by our speculations, experiences, or felt needs. Rather, he stands over and against us, telling us how things actually are. 
And the writer goes on to say, if we have a God who cannot challenge us, if we have a God who cannot burst into our life, call into question things in our life, then we have turned our God into an idol. You know the amazing thing about idols is they always perfectly reflect the idol maker. Idols don't do things that are unexpected to us. Idols always work the way that we want them to work. But in this story, you have this angel bursting out of the sky, interrupting the shepherds, interrupting their lives. And he says, I got a message for you. He didn't ask permission. (laughs) He just told them. So an angel may not bust on the scene of our life like the shepherds, but I believe that God is and will continue to do unexpected things in our life. Let's go on a little bit here in verse 10. We're going to read the next few verses. Let's see, what did the angel say? What's the news? Verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is looking good, right? This is some good news. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Now follow me, because this is my favorite part of the story. This is my favorite part of the story, because the message is amazing. So an angel comes knocks the shepherds off their feet. That's what I imagine, right? I mean, can you imagine the glory of God shining around you? You're going to be knocked off your feet probably, right? So the angels are knocked off their feet. An angel appears, a message is given, and then a heavenly host of angels proclaims the glory of God. And I think in this we see something really amazing. God's interruptions are God's invitations. God's interruptions are his invitations. He interrupted the shepherds. But he didn't interrupt them just to interrupt them. He invited them. He said, go and see this thing that has happened. Go and see this thing that has happened. God wants us to know that the good news of Christ is for all people. The good news is that Christ is here, that changes everything, and that there's an invitation for each of us to be a part of it. I like to use this phrase, and I I gave a sermon on it a few years back. I like to say the gospel is God's global broadcast. The gospel is for you. The gospel is for every person in this room. The gospel is for every person in this city, every person in this country, every person who's a part of your family, and every person in the world. The gospel is God's global invitation of hope in Christ. The gospel is an interruption that completely changes the game. You can love Christ. You can hate the Christ. But you cannot ignore the Christ because the Christ is here for all of us. I want every single person in this room to recognize something. I don't want you to leave this room without recognizing this, that Christ was born for you. Christ was born for you. Not for other people. Yes, it's true he was born for other people, but specifically for you as well. Look at what the angel says in verse 10. There will be good news of great joy that will be for who? Tell me, who? All the people. All people, not just some. Look at what the angel says in verse 11. For unto who is born this day in the city of David? You. For unto you is born this day 
in, in, David, in, in, David, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ, the Lord. So in this story, you have Mary having the baby. And then an angel goes to some random shepherds over here and says, a baby is born unto you. Which I find a little strange, right? Because they're not a part of this story. Uh, They're not a part of Mary and Joseph's family, right? They're just some shepherds out in a field who happen to be nearby. And the angel says, a baby is born this day for you. And so that means they're invited to the family. If you're in the family, you go see the baby that was born. And so here we find shepherds near and far, people near and far, invited into the story of Christ. And then lastly in verse 12, And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Christ is born for everyone. You workaholic, Christ is for you. Single mom, Christ is born for you. 90-year-old man or woman in this room, Christ is born for you. Porn addict, Christ is born for you. Alcoholic, Christ is born for you for you. Homosexual, Christ is born for you. Black sheep of your family, Christ is born for you. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. What I love about the gospel is that it is the most inclusive message in the entire world because Christ is for all people. But it's also the most exclusive message in the world because it's only found in Christ who said what? It says that he is a Savior and Lord. So as we approach the gospel, we find in the Christmas story an invitation to find hope in Jesus, but also an invitation to follow Jesus in obedience and in submission, because he's not only Savior, but he's a king. But that initial invitation of the gospel is for all people. And I want you to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you're in here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I want you to know he was born for you, not for someone else for you. Christmas is a massive interruption, but it's also a massive invitation. Every interruption you experience in your life, whether it's small, whether it's medium, or whether it's big, all point to and are defined by the Christmas interruption, by what Jesus has done through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. You get sick, God's telling you to slow down. Something happens in your life, God's telling you, build faith in me. But how do you do that? Let's look at the response of these people as we get into some application. Look at verse 15. I want you to notice every person's response in this story. It says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. So they shared what the angels had told them to Mary and Joseph. And said, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And then the shepherds went back to work, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. I love the shepherd's response. I love everyone's response in this story. I love it because they're not super Christians. They're just people uh, trying to live their life for God. And I think their response to the interruptions of their life, their response to the unexpected things that are going on in our life and around our life, 
are a good model for us. And I want to talk about two ways that I see uh, us responding to the interruptions in our life. Number one, when God interrupts, respond with humility and worship. Sometimes when it comes to our plans and what we want for our life, we are so hanging on to what we want that we miss what God is doing in the moment. We're so looking forward to the future of what we want that we miss the amazing things that God is doing right now. I believe that there is a message in every interruption. Think about Mary and Joseph, their lives. The whole reason they were going to Bethlehem is because there was this census, right? That the Roman Empire said, you got to go back to your hometown, register, because we're doing a census. This was a political thing that was going on. That's ostensibly what the interruption was. But in the midst of that interruption, this global sort of political interruption, you find God's true message, which is Christ has come. Think about the shepherds. This angel disrupts their lives, stops their work, whatever they're doing, but in that they find the true meaning of the interruption, and that is that Christ is born. So often, when God is disrupting my life, I'm thinking about what he's robbed me from and not what he's leading me towards. This morning, you have something interrupting your life, I'm sure. And in my own personal life, there's a lot of things that I'm planning and that I'm dreaming and that I'm envisioning for. Uh, In in our family, we're trying to pay down some debt. And so that's kind of what I've been focused on over the past few months, trying to pay that down. And I want it to happen immediately. I wish God would show up unexpectedly and all of a sudden the debt is gone. That would be an amazing, unexpected showing up of God. And while that's possible, I think God instead is teaching me to build faith over time, little by little. For a long time before I was married, I I wanted to get married. I, I, I spent so much time thinking about that praying about that. I prayed about it every single night. God, I just pray that you would bring me a wife. And while he could have done that immediately, I think God was telling me, you know what? Trust me, build faith in me, and all things will be prepared for you, no matter what happens. Even as a pastor, I have to admit that, I'm sure Pastor John can admit this, we have visions for the church, what we want to do in the future, all the great things that we want to do as a church in and through us. And yet I think God says, you know what, remember what I'm doing right now and build faith over time. So we're called to respond in humility and worship to the interruptions of our life. And here's the second one. I'm kind of vibing this one. I like this one. <laughs> make your problems God's platform. Turn to your neighbor. Say, make your problems God's platform. Say it with some spunk. Turn to your other neighbor. Say, say a little bit more spunk to your other neighbor. I like this one. Someone tweet that, please. Make your problems God's platform. And it's a pithy phrase, but I think it's something that's true. This is what I love about Jesus. No matter how many times Jesus was interrupted, he never seemed to really care, and he never seemed to really get off mission. And Jesus was in a house one time, and he's teaching some people, and he's kind of talking, and some dudes show up and lower another dude through the roof. Jesus didn't get mad. He used it as an opportunity to not only help that man, but also to teach people about God and about what he's about. Sometime, one time Jesus was on his way to do something, and uh, this funeral procession literally comes right in front of him. He doesn't get angry. He just goes, approaches the woman, heals her son, brings her back to life, and then uses it as an opportunity to talk about all that God is going to do through him. 
See, Jesus was attuned to what was going on around him. He had spiritual ears to hear what God was doing. You know, last week after my uh, sermon on pain, and I was talking about the role of pain in our life, I was talking to a woman who goes to our church uh, afterward, and she said, you know what, that message really spoke to me, because early on in my life, I was diagnosed with uh, sort of a condition, a disability uh, that was chronic, and that would be with me my whole life. And she said, when I initially got it, I, I feel like I could have been angry at God, I could have left God, but instead I saw it as an opportunity to serve God. And she talked about how even in the hospital room, she had other beds around her, and she used it as an opportunity to pray with people, to point them to hope in God, no matter what happens in her life. And she did that all throughout the rest of her life. And I saw that as a huge example to us. No matter what we have going on, we use our weaknesses and we turn them into platforms for the gospel. She could have seen this as a disability that held her back, but she saw it as a platform that honored God and brought praise to him from the people around her. You know, as much as I hate the phrase, God would never, there's also one that I really hate, and that's I could never, right? I could never. God could never use me in this way. God could never use that person because of what they've done. Think about the Bible. Every single major figure in the Bible had some sort of excuse for why God couldn't use them. Abraham was too old. God, I can't do it. I'm too old. Moses went to God, said, I can't lead the people because I can't speak. I kind of stutter. Isaiah came to the Lord, says, I'm unclean. I, I can't do this. I'm unclean. And yet in each of these things, God worked with them and through them to do great redemptive works in their day. And that's what God is calling us to do through the trials and through the pains of our life. Even as a pastor, I'm always uh, reminded that God is calling me to, to look out at you guys and the people in this church to look for people who would be unlikely leaders, people who would never see themselves as leaders, People who would never see themselves as being useful and bringing about redemption to people around them. These are the kind of people that God is reminding me to look for and to pray for. As we think about New Day Church and moving forward into that future, I pray that New Day Church would be filled with leaders who never saw themselves as leaders. In the same way that we put God in a box, I believe that we put ourselves in a box. And just as God surprises us in the things of our life, I think God can surprise us in how he uses us to bring about redemption to other people. So as we draw to a close this morning, I, I want to just take a few moments and I want to just kind of vibe with you guys for a second. I want you to think about whatever interruption is happening in your life right now. Think about whatever plan has gone awry. Think about whatever thing God is doing that you don't expect. Think about how surprising it might be for you. And I want you to be reminded that surprises in your life may surprise you, but they don't surprise God. God is never surprised by the things that happen in our life. But in fact, he's more like the conductor, the orchestrator, the one who knows beginning to end. And I want you to know that God's interruptions in your life may seem like bad timing to you, but they're always perfect timing for God. We're called to be people of faith. And people of faith recognize that God's going to do some unexpected things in our life. What I love about the gospel is that it invites us into something. 
It invites us into a life of interruptions, but it also invites us uh, into a lifelong invitation. When it comes to the gospel, this good news that Jesus was born, lived a perfect life we could not live, died a death that we deserve, but rose from the grave victoriously so that we could find victory in Christ, we don't leave that ever. We stay near to that. The gospel is a lifelong invitation to trust God. It's a lifelong invitation to step deeper in faith. It's a lifelong invitation to trust God in the midst of the problems of your life. Here's the problem. What makes Christianity believable is not when we say, come be a Christian, God will fix everything in your life. Because sometimes we do that, right? God's going to bring you peace and joy and hope and all that kind of stuff and there'll be no more pain. That's so unbelievable because it's so untrue. People out in the world, they see that and they're like, you know, that's not a true message. But what makes Christianity attractive is that Christians go through the same things that everyone else in the world go through, but they still have hope and joy in Christ. That's what makes Christianity attractive. As we think about the Christmas season, as we think about being lights to our family and to people around us, especially in this Christmas season, we're not called to cover up all the pain in our life or all the crazy things that are going on in our life. We're just supposed to continue to have hope in Christ and what he's done for us. So I hope that you see that this Christmas season, and I just want to pray uh, over you at this time, if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads, that God would show you the message in the interruption, that he would speak to you in the pain, and that he'd give you peace even in the midst of the turmoil. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for the gospel, which is true yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, sometimes, uh, just speaking personally, sometimes I preach out of uh, a, a state of confidence, and this morning I just admit that I preach out of vulnerability, and I'm tired, and there's busy season, Lord, and there are unexpected things happening in my own life, things that I wouldn't plan or wouldn't want. But in the midst of that, Lord, I, I, I publicly choose to trust you. And I publicly say that Jesus is enough for me. And I pray the same for every person in this room, Lord, that Jesus would be enough for them, that the hope that he brings would be enough for this life and that we might publicly proclaim to our family and the people around us that it's all about Jesus and that Jesus is enough. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate the day that you were born on this earth, became man, so that one day you would die for us on the cross. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.